Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. If you haven't already, you can turn in your Bibles to Romans, Romans chapter 11. We'll be in our final section of Romans chapter 11 this morning. And everybody said, Amen. (laughs) Yes, we have spent four weeks in Romans chapter 11. Remember, uh, as we begin this morning, that Paul started in Romans chapter 9. He started in Romans chapter 9 discussing with the, the Roman believers to whom he is writing that the state of the nation of Israel and why is it that many of the Jews were not coming to Christ and here is Paul a Jew himself being sent as a missionary to the Gentiles preaching to the Gentiles yet his heart is broken for his people the Israelites and so what is it that God has made this covenant with his chosen people and what is their state at the time and what will be the future for Israel uh, as a nation and as God's chosen people. So here we are um, in Romans chapter 11 in this last section and certainly Paul is going to answer the question uh, with some finality. He's going to pull back the curtain and give us a glimpse into the future so we have this this prophecy of something that has still not yet happened and yet we will have some practical application this morning from the Word of God. So, our um, first slide please. And this morning uh, I've titled our sermon Knowing God's Word but, but and, and that's good, that's sufficient, but knowing and hearing God's Word. Knowing and hearing God's Word. Because Paul says, I do not want you to be uninformed. Anthony read that scripture this morning and said, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now we're not talking about ignorant. We're talking about ignorant as in not knowing, not knowing what someone is talking about. Matter of fact, I had that definition written down in my notes. I wanted it on a slide and I neglected it. But Paul says, But Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed about this mystery. So these last two chapters, Paul is talking about this mystery. Next slide. So the word mystery, oh, you know what? Uh, I'm not paying attention to my own work this morning. When we talk about knowing the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, I'm cheating a little bit here, but it says, For the word of God is alive and active sharper than any two-edged sword it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart the word of god god's literal words spoken under the inspiration of the holy spirit to about 44 45 authors over a course of a couple thousand years is not is not just another book it is a divinely inspired word of God. Therefore, when I we talk about knowing and appropriating the word of God, this is what we're talking about. 
The Word of God knows me. The Word of God convicts me, convinces me, and saves me. This is God literally speaking to us. That's how seriously we take the Word of God. Next slide. Knowing God's Word. Knowing God's Word keeps one humble. Listen, there's a theme you remember last week. He told the Roman believers. He said, listen guys, you Gentiles. Don't get all high and mighty thinking you have this new standing with God and that God is totally done with the Jews. He's, and so he repeats this theme here, uh, and I believe for several reasons, and knowing God's word keeps us humble. Remember, we talked about the fear of the Lord last week. We talked about not being conceited last week. So, so when I hear from the Lord, when I read his word when I hear his word being taught it reminds me and teaches me who God is and who I am and if I become a follower of Jesus Christ if I obey the gospel become a follower and become a follower of Jesus Christ um, what I what that does it puts me in right relationship with God so this fear of the Lord me in the right position, God in his position, and me in my position. The word of God will keep us humble. I am reminded by the word of God that I am a sinner. I am also reminded by the word of God that I am a child of the king, saved by his grace and saved by his mercy. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when you read the word of God, you too are being reminded of those things. I am being told in the word of God, I, I, I'm caused to be able to recognize my sinfulness. Even though I'm saved, I'm a child of God. I remember the Word of God teaches me to continue to confess my sin. The Word of God grows me. The Word of God grows you. God, through the Holy Spirit, teaches you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that living Word is speaking into you. But one of the key things it does here, and he reminds them, he says here, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. Occasionally, occasionally, well, maybe not you, but I, I can get full of myself, right? I've been reading my Bible for a while. I've known Jesus for a while. Heck, I even got to go to Bible college and have really smart men and women teach me about the Word of God. Sometimes we can get a little full of ourselves. Sometimes we think maybe we have arrived. Sometimes maybe we, I think that, that, that I am wise. And Paul says, look, I don't want you to be uninformed about this mystery. So, so my knowledge of the Word of God, but, but being in the Word of God experientially. So what God does is keeps me humble. And, and he's going to tell us more why. But next slide. But we have this clue here about this mystery. Paul uses, or the New Testament uses this word about 28 different times. One of my favorites is in um, Ephesians chapter 5 when he's talking about marriage. And then he says, but I want you to understand this mystery. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm really talking about Jesus and, and his church. And then Paul just like drops that bomb in Ephesians, right? So here too we have a mystery. Here too we have a mystery. So according to Bauer, and I love this definition, um, it's used, this word mystery, this great mysterion, is meant the secret thoughts, plans, and dispensations of God which are hidden from the human reason as well as from all other comprehension below the divine level. That's all of us, y'all. Okay. 
and hence must be revealed to those for whom they are intended. So there are mysteries in the Word of God that God has chosen to reveal to us in His Word, but guess what? There are still more that have not yet been revealed to us either. Why? Because God doesn't want us to know yet. We do not fully know God. We do not fully understand God. In the last three verses of this chapter, it's a doxology, it's a prayer, a psalm that Paul gives to the Lord that talks about that even more. So, so there's a mystery here. And what is the mystery? And he says, it's what Paul's been teaching the Jews all along that you know now too, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Listen, there will be a point in time in history and it has not yet come. And how do we know that? Those of us who are not Jewish are still getting saved. We hear about people coming to know Christ. God will not, Christ will not come back again until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. But he says, so this partial hardening, something's going to change, right? Something's going to change for the Jews. And we're going to see this morning, next slide. Uh, we're going to see this morning that, that Paul pulls back the curtain and we get a glimpse into what God's going, one of the many things that God is going to do in the future. He says, and so all Israel will be saved, just as it is written. The deliverer, that's Jesus, will come from Zion and he will remove all ungodliness from Zion. Listen, there will come a time, and, and listen, the smart guys, they argue about this. And we could stay till 2 or 3 o'clock, and I would enjoy it. You probably wouldn't. But, and talk about the different... Um, so some believe that when Christ comes back, that he's just going to save every Jew, every Israelite, every Jew who's alive on the face of the earth is going to be saved. Some believe that somehow God's going to even do it apart from the gospel, that he's just going to, ooh, you're saved. And I wholeheartedly do not believe that. They're the Jews, and there'll be a great revival among the Jews. And, and Paul talks about a remnant throughout these two chapters. And everything that we've heard about the salvation of the Gentiles, that's us, and salvation of the Jews, leads me to believe that there will be a great revival among the Jewish nation when, uh, uh, when Christ, just prior to, or when Christ comes back. There will be. And I don't know exactly how God's going to do it, but if Christ is coming back, I believe it's going to be, it's going to be Jews, the masses of the Jews, coming to Christ for salvation somehow. Because why? Because God says it. Next slide. Remember that this, the Jews are in this covenant relationship with God um, um, through the covenant that God made with Abraham, but also, listen, you and I are in covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, amen? And so God is, remember, we've learned about covenant before. God is always faithful to his covenant, even if you and I are not. And how am I unfaithful in my, well, I still sin. Remember, God referred to Israel that he was their husband and Israel was their bride, his bride. And he called his bride, I'll, I'll be polite for church today, God called his bride Israel a bunch of harlots at different times in the word of God. Why? Because they were unfaithful to the covenant relationship with God. Anyway, so, and not just anyway, but so I don't get off on that rabbit trail this morning. If we look in Isaiah 59, 20 and 21, 
That is what I, that is what Paul is quoting here. So I'll give you a second because Paul quotes it. We will go there. Isaiah 59, 20 and 21. And it's important to remember, God is always faithful to his word. When you have a difficult day, when you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor, when life doesn't go the way you think it should, that a dear friend this week lost her daughter suddenly and tragically, perfectly healthy daughter. They don't know what happened yet. So, so how, how does one respond? She's a follower of Jesus, and she said, Pastor Charlie, I believe God. God has his hand on us, and we don't know why our daughter died, but, but we're trusting God. Why? Because she knows that God is always faithful. That's why. Because her faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 59. Listen to what the Word of God says here. A Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, declares the Lord. Verse 21, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit, which is upon you, speaking to Isaiah, and my words, which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring, says the Lord, from now and forever. God said, I am sending a redeemer to Zion. That is the prophecy of the second coming of Jesus Christ to save Jews. And next, we would look at Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, because he quotes that as well. Jeremiah, boy, Jeremiah had it rough. If any of the prophets had it rough, look, they eventually killed him and... Uh, legend has it that they sawed him in half. That's not in the word of God. But this guy, his own, he was a prophet sent to his own people, and all they wanted to do was kill him. And God always gave Jeremiah a difficult message to share with, the, to share with his people. 31 verses 33 and 34. But this is my covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart. I will write it, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin will I remember no more. And... Um, I believe that that is directly referring to the future of the nation of Israel and that is a prophecy of uh, the end times right before or at the time that Christ comes back that that great revival in other words God's laws that Moses brought down on the Ten Commandments no God's law will be written on their hearts the Jews will come to salvation in great masses. Some believe that there will be a generation of Jews when Christ comes back and they will all be saved. And the, the text does lend to that interpretation. I'm being fair to what the Word of God is saying. Uh, and, and, and I believe, many believe that that's exactly how God's going to do it. But what we take from this is God is always faithful. 
no matter what's going on around us, no matter what we even are experiencing in our own lives, we must run to God. Why? He's always faithful. Even when the tragedy occurs in your home or family, even when the difficult times come, some of us do okay in the good times. Some of us struggle in the good times, right? But no matter whether you are riding strong and high in life or you are feeling low, the Word of God says, and I have experienced it in my own life, that God is always faithful. Next slide. So, so knowing God's Word keeps us humble. Uh, now we're talk we've talked about knowing God's faithfulness to His Word all the way through verse uh, 29 there. And then next, um, uh, go back one, please. Oh, my. What happened? Oh, we just finished talking about the second coming of Christ. Sorry, my fault, guys. You go forward again. I apologize for that. Knowing God's word from disobedience to mercy. Listen, I, I struggle with this one because um, what is Paul saying here? And I think we'll skip down to the end. We'll skip down to 30 and start there. Paul says, remember, he's speaking to the Gentiles. He's saying, just as you once were disobedient to God. Remember, they were the branches, Gentiles, people like you and I. We were the unfruitful, unfruitful branches that were grafted back in, that were grafted in. That was Paul using that metaphor to our, for our salvation. He says, for just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience. So literally part of the reason that uh, uh, God chose to make salvation in Christ available to us at the time that he did was because of the disobedience of Israel. Um, but, yeah, wow, sorry, it's verse 32. I just want to skip ahead there for a moment. For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. So whether there is a partial hardening of the nation of Israel, and there'll certainly be a time when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, we all share something as human beings from Adam and Eve until today. There's something, one, there's a great thing that we all share. We're all, we are all created in the very image of God, which should change all of our lives, right? We have a lot of struggle in our country right now. Those we look different from one another our African-American brothers and sisters uh, whose history in the uh, nation of America uh, has been a difficult and trying and awful history at times, right? And, uh, and America really is that great salad bowl of folks who come from all over the world, whether Asian, Hispanic, African-American, European descent, the Word of God teaches us so very clearly that each and every one of us bears the image of God. That is just so important. That is so important. But you know, when I choose to be angry or dislike someone or God forbid even hate them, I need to remember that. But I also need to remember the flip side of that coin too, that we're all sinners. 
We'll all share that. At some point in time, because of my sinfulness, I may let you down as your friend or pastor or husband or father. I may let you down. Why? I'm a sinful human being saved by grace. And so are you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So, so verse 32, Paul's saying, listen, listen, uh, my Roman friends. He said, you do have something in common with the Jews that you probably haven't thought about. This is a, uh, this is a all y'all. Second person plural. Paul is speaking in the second person plural. That's y'all. Um, I guess my English grammar book doesn't say that. But y'all know what I'm saying, right? So he says, you all share this. You are all have all been shut up in disobedience. We're all in this disobedience until we come to know Christ. And we all share that whether Jew or Gentile, whether black or white, Hispanic or Asian, or what have you. We share that as well. That should cause me to have compassion for the people uh, with whom I come into contact. It should. One, you're each and every one created in the very image of God. Secondly, we're all disobedient to the gospel until such a time when the Holy Spirit calls us and we confess our sins, claim the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and, and, and confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So, so knowing God's word brings us from disobedience to mercy. And every day that Christ does not come back, he is exercising mercy towards the entire world, giving men and women another day, another opportunity to come to Christ. Now listen, uh, this blows my mind and I don't want to get too carried away, but God knows he created us. He created the world. God's been from eternity past into eternity future. God knows who's going to get saved, when they're going to get saved, who the last Gentile is. God already knows what the last Gentile looks like that's going to get saved to, that will, that will kick off the fullness of the Gentiles and Christ comes back. He already knows what that looks like. And the Jewish, and the Jewish nation who will then, there'll be this great revival and they'll come to Christ. He already knows. Is it going to be an entire generation or is it just going to be a massive amount of Jews who come to Christ in the end times, which is what I believe based on everything else we've learned in Romans 9 through 11. Oh, I'm not supposed to tell you that yet. Oh, well, spoiler. I just spoiled it. Uh, telling you what I think. That, that every day that Christ doesn't come back is an opportunity for someone to go from disobedience to mercy. And that disobedience that Paul's talking here is disobedience to the gospel, right? Um, and I think so knowing God's word prepares us. It should, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about having a sense of urgency about the gospel. Paul said, I wish I could trade places. All I want is for my Jewish brothers and sisters to get saved. Paul said, I would even trade places with them if I could, right? So this should give us a sense of urgency. But also, when I know and understand what God, when God pulls back the curtain, like through Paul in Romans here, and we learn something about the future, it also is practical, practical, wow, for today. Um, next slide. And then we see verses 33 through 36. Um, this is a doxology. It's literally a prayer or a song that... Paul is giving praise to God. He's finishing up, and we are too, this section in Romans 9 through 11, all about salvation of the Jews and, and why and how God brought us in as Gentiles. All these references to Isaiah in the Psalms and Jeremiah. 
and, and it's coming to a close here, and there's this beautiful um, prayer, this beautiful psalm here. Oh, the depths, it starts, of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. So knowing God's word helps me know God, who he is, the nature and character of God. I've taught this a lot in church when we first started having church here, that that when I begin just a little bit to understand the nature and character of who God is, I will be more likely to obey him. I will be more likely to trust him. I will be more likely to walk more closely with him. So it's not just knowing the nature and character of God so that you know something, but the knowledge is important because I will act on what I know and believe. So if I believe that God is all of these things, that should impact my day-to-day -day life, and of course yours as well, right? So next slide. And we see here, he quotes again from Isaiah uh, and even from Job, because he goes on and he says, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Listen. It come, we get to this point where we don't fully understand God. How could we possibly understand the eternal Savior, God, creator of the universe? Who are we that we think we could understand? We only understand what he has chosen to reveal to us through his word and his Holy Spirit, right? So he says these unfathomable, I think, um, I didn't look that, I wanted to look that word up because what was that that old movie 40,000 leagues under the sea or something and the guys gets oh yeah I know it's old it was old when I watched it when I was a kid and the guys are so far down in the ocean where no one has ever been and they can't get back and they see all these creatures and things that they never that they and so it's unfathomable for us to understand the depths of who God is yet he has chosen to reveal some of that to us in his word and so Paul is quoting Isaiah 40:13, and I would like to turn to Job though. Turn to Job 35, because he says something else that's very important, and he quotes Job. Y'all remember Job's friends were giving him a rough way to go, right? Uh, the devil was testing Job. God allowed it. Job lost everything: his family, his kids, his fortune, his houses. Job lost it all, right? And his wife even told him, dude, curse God and die. Be done with it. And listen, uh, in Job 35, Elihu, one of his friends, is giving him a hard time. And verse 7, it says, if you are righteous, what do you give to God? Or what does God receive from your hand? And flip over to 41, 41, 11. And God is speaking here, God showing his power. Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole of heaven is mine. Listen, Paul says in this prayer, who has known the mind of the Lord or became his counselor? Seriously, which one of us is going to give God advice? Hey God, I'm having a hard time down here right now. I think maybe you should do it this way. Job lost everything. His wife, his kids. I mean, they, they died. They were gone. His fortune, his work. Even his friends were telling him he must have done something horrible in his life for all of that to happen to him. This guy lost it all. And so who, is, who knows the mind of the Lord? Do I know? Who do I think I am? See, remember, this whole idea, Paul said here again in the beginning of this section, 
don't be conceited. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Who are you, Charlie, that you're going to give advice to God? Or who has given God something that God owes him? Like, God owes me something, right? Uh, God, I've been serving you for a couple years now. I've been telling people about you. I've been praying for people. You know, I didn't smack that guy upside the head the other day. So, so God, I feel like maybe you owe me a little something, something. Why don't you just ease up on me a little bit, right? Let me hit that number. Or, oh, I, I don't play just, I don't play the number. I don't. I think about it sometimes. But, I, but, but so, hey, God, who am I to give God some advice about how life should go, right? But then listen, Paul finishes here. Um, Paul finishes here. Next slide. And he says, for from him, through him, and to him are all things. So to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Listen, this Bible, this story, this account of what God has done, is doing, and will do, is not about us, it's about him. He chooses to save us. He chose to create us. We're created in his image. He loves us. He values you. But it's about him, it's not about us. Glory, pointing back to God. I'm not prepared to talk about the Shekinah glory. Plus, I don't want to get a couple of y'all shouting. Uh, but God, I really do, I like that when you do. God gets, when you get saved, God gets the glory. When you do an act of kindness inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's not about you, it's about God getting the glory. Right? In all things, Paul says, from him, through him, and to him are all things. Listen, guys, God and Paul is sharing with the Gentiles. He's telling them not to get a case of the big head because of their salvation and who they are. He pulls a curtain back on this mystery a little bit about the future and what's going to happen when Christ comes back. That God, the promise he made to Abraham, uh, it encompasses you and me as a Gentiles. Every family of the earth shall be blessed. But ever since God made his word, and some say the covenant that he made with Adam and Eve, when the animals were killed and the blood was shed and Adam and Eve were covered because they figured out they were naked. So God has been faithful to his covenant with man ever since he gave his word. He's been faithful to you and me uh, through Jesus Christ. God is always faithful. So, so knowing God's word, knowing God's word keeps me humble. Knowing God's word, knowing that God is faithful to His word, um, really, and I'm adding to it, but changes me. And then knowing God's word from disobedience to mercy, and then knowing God's word, the nature and character of who God is, knowing who this Savior is. We say we talk about a lot about a personal relationship with God. You know, growing closer to the Lord, are you learning more about who He is in your daily walk with Him? Through His Word, through His mercy towards you, um, He does reveal that to us in His Word. So in closing today, I would just like to say, I hope, and if you have not yet come from disobedience to mercy, let today be that day that you obey the gospel that you come to Christ, you surrender your life, you humble yourself, and you confess your sins and become a follower of Jesus Christ. And for the rest, for those of you who are already followers of Jesus Christ, what a reminder 
to be humble, to have a sense of urgency about the gospel, to know, to know God's word, and to know that knowing God's word is more than just knowledge. It grows you closer in your walk with him. Uh, and, and, and also, it does give us a glimpse behind the curtain for the future, and that should make us hopeful that God is going to save even more uh, when Christ comes back again. So let's apply these truths in our daily lives. I'm going to pray, then we're going to have a special presentation, uh, and then we'll close the service with some fellowship today. Father God, I pray today for each and every person in the room, Lord God, that as we, for those of you, those who are followers of you, Lord God, I pray that you'll encourage their hearts. Father God, I pray that we will be inspired, Lord, to read your word, to grow closer to you, to understand just how merciful and loving and faithful you are. Father God, to know that there's so little that we can understand about you, and yet you do reveal yourself to us through your word. Father God, I just pray that believers will be encouraged today, that we'll recommit ourselves, Lord, to reading your word and walking closely with you, that you'll give us a sense of urgency and a humility in our lives, Lord God, to share your love with others. And if there is a soul here who does not yet know you, I pray that today will be that day, Father. Pray that today will be that day that he or she comes to know you as their Lord and Savior. Father God, we lift up this time to you in our presentation and our worship, uh, Lord, and our fellowship. Thanking you because, Lord God, you are the only one worthy to receive all of the glory. And we pray in your name. Amen.